have an exciting announcement for everybody. We, um, we had a huge offering Sunday, and the rest of the money for the parking lot came in. And so we, uh, we've raised the money for our first fundraiser to um, begin to renovate the, the facilities. And we're working on a model to show the church as far as the second stage of renovating the inside of the building. And so uh, we want to be able to give you a visual to get you excited before we tell you how much we're going to need a raise. So we're working on that uh, feverishly so we can show you that. But um, I'm going to have a a meeting with the deacons next Wednesday and uh, go over with them the company that we're going to be using and share with them some information. And then the next business meeting, we'll uh, give the church all that information. We'll vote on spending the money and then we'll get the parking lot redone. So that's exciting. And so praise the Lord for that. Every, to everyone that gave toward that project, thank you so much for uh, your contribution. John 18, let's stand for the reading of God's Word this evening. And we will begin by looking at the first six verses, a story that isn't as familiar as maybe it ought to be, uh, but um, a, uh, an exciting one at that. Uh, John 18, we find Jesus in the garden. The Bible says there, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things, uh, uh, that should come uh, upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with him. As soon then as he said unto them, I am he, they went backwards and fell to the ground. So tonight we're going to finish up our study on Jesus, being the Son of God out of the book of John. We've got a lot to cover, so... Let's pray. We'll jump right in. God, I ask tonight that you'd give me discretion as to know what to uh, uh, hasten through and what to spend time on. And Lord, I pray the sermon this evening would be impactful for each of us as we consider the fact that you died for us and, uh, and, and did so on this day uh, so many years ago. And so, Lord, uh, as we study that topic on today, I pray, God, that our hearts would be moved and Lord, anybody here that would have a hard heart, me included, would you tenderize our heart? Would you break it afresh and anew as we remember the great sacrifices you've made for us? In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I shared with the church uh, Sunday as kind of a, um, uh, a side note that Jesus did not die on Friday. Uh, Christians that really understand the Bible know that we don't celebrate Good Friday. Now, I'm not throwing mud at anybody that does, anybody that wants to celebrate the fact that Jesus died for our sins. Uh, Even if they have the wrong day, I'm glad they're celebrating it. So uh, don't get on Facebook or Twitter or or any of those social networks and just start ripping people because they don't have the right day, okay? But uh, you can't get three days and three nights between Friday and Sunday. You understand that? And if you look at the way the Jewish clock is set up, or would have been during Jesus' time, he probably died uh, sometime on Wednesday. Their new day started at 6 p.m., and so he would have been buried after the 6 p.m. line, uh, but uh, would have died uh, 2,000 years plus around uh, about that today. 
by the way the, the calendar works. Here we are going through the book of John, and uh, we've uh, spent two, stu- uh, two studies on it. And in this study, we're going to look closely about how Jesus died. I, can't, uh, I couldn't have planned it any better if I had wanted to, uh, but I didn't plan it. Uh, it, this is just uh, the way God has worked it out for us. And so as we've gone through the book of John, we've talked about there, and you have on the back of your bulletin um, the outline and uh, the points up to this uh, 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 spot here. We talked about the profile of Jesus' life. We'll talk about that again more in just a moment here. We've talked about the purpose of Jesus' coming, uh, the picture of Jesus' ministry. We talked out of John 11, how that Jesus was uh, left Galilee and came to Jerusalem so that he could raise Lazarus from the dead. He laid down his life, put his life in jeopardy so that Lazarus could have life. He lived out John 15, 13 uh, 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 for us. The Pharisees standing by the side waiting for him to come in town so that they could arrest him and then eventually kill him. We'll see that tonight. And then we talked about the last or uh, two weeks ago, last week was the missions conference. Two weeks ago, we <coughs> excuse me. We talked about the passion of Jesus displayed. We talked about everything out of John 14, 15, and 16, and then even some of 17 that Jesus was passionate about. And uh, we we went into great detail there. And so without rehashing any of that, we're going to jump right in tonight and uh, begin uh, with uh, point number five of the message. Notice there the person that Jesus claimed to be. The person that Jesus claimed to be. Now, we, uh, we talked about how that Jesus was 100% man out of Luke, uh, the book of Luke. And then in the book of John, he is 100% God. And the emphasis in Luke is on Jesus calling himself Son of Man. Son of Man. Even the genealogy given takes us all the way back to Adam, proving that G- Jesus was Adam's son, he was 100% man. John is on a mission, though, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, not to prove that Jesus is the Son of Man, but to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. And that might leave you scratching your head saying, well, which is he? Is he the Son of Man or is he the Son of God? And the answer is yes. He's both. He's 100% man and 100% God. And if you're saying, well, that doesn't compute, and I'd say that's good because there are some aspects of God that ought not compute. If, if you can totally understand God, that means that He can fit in your pocket and He's not above you. So praise the Lord that there are some aspects about God that we just don't quite get. So uh, you remember the seven titles uh, that Jesus was called by in John 1. If it isn't the next slide, Brother Matt, can you give me the slide that gives the seven titles of Jesus? And then uh, there it is. So uh, there you have it. Uh, these are all out of John 1. These are seven titles that other people call Jesus by there in John 1, once you get past that initial poem. Son of Joseph, Jesus of Nazareth, Messiah, King of Israel, Rabbi, Son of God and Lamb of God. And then here is what John was trying to tell us. He was trying to say the fully human Jesus from Nazareth is the Messianic King and Teacher of Israel and the Son of God who will die For the sins of the world. Now that is a big claim to make about somebody. John was making this claim about Jesus being God right at the very beginning of his book. And then he would spend the rest of the book proving that. Now, interestingly enough, and I don't even know that John knew what he was doing here. I think uh, uh, the Holy Spirit knew. I bet John got to heaven and said, wow, I had no idea. 
Interestingly enough, in Matthew 18, where you find Jesus, they ask, uh, he asks, whom seek ye? They say, Jesus of Nazareth, verse 5. He says, I am, I am. If you notice that the he is in parentheses, that's given there for us to have clarity in English. I believe that Jesus looked right at them and he didn't say, I am he. He said, I am, I am. By the way, the Hebrew, uh, or rather the Greek translation of the Hebrew is ego emi, ego emi, E-G-O-E-M-I, ego emi. Uh, let me give you here, this, this declarative statement of I am completed a set of seven, um, uh, seven I am claims, but in the book of, uh, in the book of um, uh, John, you find seven I am descriptions. Letter A, notice there's seven I am descriptions, seven I am descriptions. Can you hold your place there in John and turn back over to Exodus chapter 3? Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 13. You may remember Moses kills the guy, the, uh, the uh, taskmaster who's whipping the slave and he comes out and confronts him and uh, kills the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the taskmaster, the Egyptian taskmaster, and then flees excuse me, flees out of Egypt onto the backside of the desert and he's there serving uh, his father-in-law for 40 years raising sheep. He's on his way home one night. He looks over and there's a bush burning. You all know the story, right? There's a bush burning. And the difference about this bush is that it, it is never consumed. It just keeps burning. And so Moses is intrigued and he walks over and he finds out that God is in the bush. God is in the bush. And God tells Moses... Take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. So he takes off his shoes and he begins to have a conversation with God who's in the bush speaking from the fire. And we know the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. And so Moses is there on the outside speaking and God is telling Moses, I want you to go back into Egypt and, and, uh, and lead my people out. And he says, but I, I can't do it. And God says, yes, you can. And he says, but my tongue doesn't work well. And he said, I'm going to help you with that. Don't worry. And so he has him throw his rod down and it turns into a snake. And he picks it up by the tail and he comes back into a rod. And then he sticks his hand down and his his uh, coat, it turns leprous and he puts it back in and the, the leprosy's gone. And so he's, he, then he, uh, look at verse 13 there. We'll pick up the story. The Bible says, Then Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Verse 14. And God said unto Moses, notice the all cap, uh, caps lock there, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am. What does that mean? I am means I always was, I am now, and I always will be. It means I'm eternal. And I don't change. I am immutable. I, I change not. Now, if you take that I am from the Hebrew and you translate it into Greek, the exact Greek translation is, Ego emi, ego emi. Seven times Jesus gave a ego emi, an I am description of himself in the book of John. By the way, the number of God is seven. Exactly seven times Jesus said, I am, and then described himself as something. Throw that uh, description up there for me, this, the seven I am description slide. Here are the seven times in the book of John, and it is exactly seven, 
that Jesus called himself something using I am. John 6.35, I am the bread of life. John 8.12, I am the light of the world. Ego in me. Uh, John 10.9, I am the door. John 10.11, I am the good shepherd. Um, uh, John 11.25 and 26, he said to uh, Martha there, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14.6, here he's speaking to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 15, he's speaking to all the disciples, he says, I am the vine. Exactly seven times, ego and me, and then he described himself as something. So um, John, again, is laying out here a case for Jesus being God, and he references seven, exactly seven times, Jesus does, (coughs) excuse me again, Jesus describes himself as an an I am, uh, uh, tying himself to God. Letter B, notice, seven I am claims, seven I am claims. Um, The seventh one here is found in John 18, verse 5. Where he says, I am. Now I want you to imagine that. There you are with Jesus in the garden. And whether you want to make yourself a disciple, a fearful disciple, or you want to make yourself a Roman guard. All right. They come up and Jesus says, who are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. And as soon as he said that, those words had so much power. Everybody fell backwards when he said it. They were knocked over by that Powerful saying. Interestingly enough, this is the seventh time in the book that Jesus has said, I am. I am. Not just I am the bread of life, but declaratively, definitively, I am. Now, again, uh, he's tying himself to God. He's saying that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth is God. We are together as one. Um, here, here are the list of the times that he said, uh, he, he used that ego in me. Throw that uh, 7 I am claim slide up there. Here they are. And if it's small to read, I apologize. Uh, but uh, here they are. And they aren't always phrased I am. It uh, wasn't exactly how the English translators chose to put it. But uh, nonetheless, in the Greek, ego in me is found in these seven places. The first four. Uh, John four twenty six. I that speaketh unto thee am he. Ego in me. Uh, John chapter 6, uh, verse 20. It is I, this is Jesus when he's walking on the water out to the disciples. It is ego in me. It is I, be not afraid. John 8, 24. If ye believe not that ego in me, I am he, uh, ye shall die in your sins. He's saying to them there, uh, to the Pharisees, if you don't believe that I am, that I am Jehovah, that I am God, then you're going to die in your sins. That's a very powerful statement to people who flat out reject it. Now you understand when they stood there, we'll look at it in a minute, when they stood there and accused him of claiming to be God, he did claim to be God, very definitively claimed to be God. He used the same title that God had used in the Old Testament with Moses. John 8, 28. Uh, then shall you know that ego and me, I am he. Next slide there. Uh, uh, here are the last three. John eight fifty eight. before Abraham was... Ego to me, I am. Boy, there <laughs> he didn't he didn't pull any punches with him on that one. Uh, he he went back to Abraham and he said, uh, before Abraham even existed, I was already around. Uh, uh, number six, John thirteen nineteen. Ye may believe that I am He. Ego to me. And then the last one here in John eighteen five is in the garden when they're arresting him. Jesus saith unto them, Ego to me. 
Ego of me. I am he. Wham! They all fall over. So, uh, the seven I am claims exactly seven times in the book of, um, uh, in the book of John, Jesus claims to be Jehovah God. The person that Jesus claimed to be. Notice number six, the punishment from Jesus' enemies. Now, they could not take this any longer. They, they had listened to him claim to be God. They had watched him steal all their crowds. They had, uh, they had watched him make uh, a fool of them to their face. Uh, they had tried to trap him in questions and he had outwitted them at every turn. They could not stand him. They wanted him gone. They wanted him gone. Notice letter A, his examination. Excuse me. John 18, look at verse number 19. And so, um, I got to say that if I was the Roman guards that went to arrest Jesus, after that man had knocked me over with his words, um, and then let me arrest him, I, I think I would know, this guy can get loose anytime he wants. If he can just knock us over, knock us over with a couple of words, uh, he, he's, he's got the power here. But they arrested Jesus and they took him to the high priest. In verse 19, the Bible says, The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus saith unto him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogues and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I have said. When he had thus spoken... Thank you very much. And a minute. Thank you. Um, and when he had thus spoken, I got to pause there. Tim, you scared me, man. You were in my peripheral. I thought someone was coming up to get me. So, if he was, who would have jumped up and protected their preacher? Okay, that's we've got a couple. So, All right, that's good. All right. Uh, verse number 22, and when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Verse 24, now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. Look down with me at verse number 28. So, uh, they're limited in what they can do, so they lead him to Pilate. Pilate being the Roman officer who would ultimately need to declare Jesus uh, uh, worthy of death. Look at verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas under the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but, they, uh, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, what accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him. Look at the examination here. Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or do others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. Then I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore saith unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every, uh, uh, every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? The correct question should have been, Who is truth? He was standing right in front of him. When he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. The chief priest examined him and, and uh, assumed that he was guilty, wanted him eliminated, didn't have the power to eliminate him, so took him to Pilate. And Pilate was in a political quandary, to say the less. Uh, he didn't see anything wrong with Jesus, but there was much pressure being put on him by the high priest. Let her be noticed his execution. John chapter 19 in your Bibles. I want you to stop while we, and I'm going to do a lot of scripture reading here. Before I read this, I want you to stop and give reverence to the fact that it was the Wednesday before the Passover. Wednesday before where we celebrate Easter. That this happened to Jesus. We're on that Wednesday. Let that sink in while we read this about Jesus and what he went through for me and you. Look at verse 1. John 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put, him, put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Skip down to verse number 6. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Go ahead and crucify him. He's not guilty, but go ahead and crucify him. Look down at verse number 11. Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee had half the greater sin. You know what he's saying here to Pilate is, Pilate, the only reason why you have any power is because God in heaven has given you that power. You're declaring me to go die, but you're doing that with the power given to you from above. Look at verse 12. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Look at the political pressure being put here. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. <coughs> When Pilate therefore heard the saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king! But Caesar, oh, the irony in that statement, Caiaphas. 
Oh, the irony in that statement. You wanted Jesus to be the political Messiah that would deliver you from Caesar. But since Jesus wouldn't do that, now you're claiming that Caesar is your king. Look at verse 16. Then delivered he, uh, him, therefore, unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. When, where they crucified him, the, and, and two others with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. Look down at verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now, the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They, they, said, they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and his disciple standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciples took her, uh, the disciple took her uh, uh, unto his own home. Look down with me uh, uh, lastly here at verse uh, uh, 29. Uh, rather, let's read 28 through 30 as well. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was a set of vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it up to his mouth and put it to his mouth. Uh, now, therefore, uh, now Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. We see his execution. Jesus was brutally murdered, brutally killed for our sins. I believe I know everybody in the room tonight. I have some relationship with most everybody here. Let me just tell you that if you haven't believed in the man who died for you, don't let this night go by without doing that. He could have, as the song says, called 10,000 angels. He didn't have to die. He, he wasn't killed against his will. He was killed with his will. He laid down his life on purpose. He died so that you don't have to die. He went through hell on the cross so that you don't have to suffer hell. You say, well, pastor, how do I take advantage of that? You've got to believe. You've got to put your faith and trust in that great gift. Notice number seven, the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. Look down at uh, John chapter number 20 in verse number one. The Bible says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth, and, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved. We know that to be John. And saith unto them, They, ta they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down, and looking in, saw the linen cloth, the cloth lying, 
yet uh, went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen uh, clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying uh, with the linen cloth, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went uh, in also the other disciple, which... Uh, uh, came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise uh, again from the dead. Then the disciple went away again unto their own home. And so they get there, and the body of Jesus is gone, is gone. Now, the author, John, has done an excellent job, again, through the inspiration of God, telling him what to write. But the author, John, has done an excellent job showing us that this seventh miracle of the book is marvelous. It is the greatest miracle ever to be performed. Throw that next slide up there for me, if you don't mind there. We uh, see that the, the book of John, if you count the miracles, there are up until this point, six miracles in the book. In fact, if you go back to John 2, uh, uh, John tells us that this was the first miracle. And then uh, in John 4, with the healing of the sick boy, he notes it to be the second miracle. And then he leaves you to keep count. As you read through the book. Now, uh, I read this in a commentary uh, as I was studying for this, that there were seven miracles. But I did go back and carefully examine the book. And here are the six miracles leading up to water and wine in John 2, healing the sick boy in John 4, uh, healing the impotent or paralyzed man in John 5, the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6, uh, the uh, healing of a blind man in John 9, and then raising Lazarus in John 11. Now, we know Jesus performed many more miracles than this. But John has uh, carefully selected and laid out six miracles leading up. And that seventh miracle, throw it up there for us. The seventh miracle there uh, is that his own resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. And that seventh miracle recorded in the book of John is found right here in John 20. When he raised himself from the dead. Let me get into the meat of the message here tonight. And uh, let me make sure that we, uh, that we uh, uh, have just enough time to cover this. Notice, lastly, number eight. Notice the portrayal of discipleship. Now the truth is, John chapter 21. I've preached out of John 21 a couple of times since I've been your pastor. Um, I could take the outline under uh, here and I could preach it for 45 minutes or an hour or longer. And we've got about 10 minutes left here. Uh, there's a lot here. And uh, nobody has probably learned anything new tonight. I hope you've been inspired by what you've heard. But the challenge is found here in this last point. And so set your heart to be challenged by what you're about to hear. To set this up, Peter has, um, has blown it. He told Jesus, I will stand with you to the death. And then he denied Jesus three times. And the uh, Bible says that the cock crew, the roaster crewed, the rooster crowed, there it is. And, and uh, after that, he went out and he wept bitterly. Here you get the story of him seeing that Jesus is risen out in John 20. But then I think that, John, that Peter got really discouraged and he quit. Quit. He gave up. He said, Jesus is all-powerful, but I'm not. And so he says in John 21, the beginning of the chapter, he says, I go a-fishing. He took a bunch of disciples with him. Christian, you ever been there before? You know God's all-powerful. 
You know the Bible's true. But you know how weak and frail you are. And you fail at something. And you, you enter the depths of discouragement. And you just say, you know what? I can't do it. I can't do it. You quit. Or you're tempted to quit. Jesus knew that he needed to salvage his disciples, specifically Peter. So they're out there fishing, and at the least, Peter is shirtless, as most fishermen, I guess, would be. The Bible says that he was naked. We don't know uh, to what degree he was naked, but out there at least shirtless. And uh, they, uh, verse 5, then, uh, 21, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children! Standing on the beach, yelling out to them in the boat, Have ye any meat? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. Well, this wasn't the first time this had happened. And so John figures it out first, and he says, Hey, Peter, that's Jesus. And Jesus, or Peter, throws his robe on, and he jumps in the water, and he swims to the shore. And uh, Jesus already has fish cooking there. And so he says to him in verse 12, He says, Come and dine, come and dine, come and eat. He fed their physical need, their, their hungry stomachs. And then you find that Jesus is about to lay out to Peter what discipleship really is. What it really is. Notice letter A. Discipleship is proper focus. It's proper focus. You know what uh, Peter's problem was beyond the discouragement? Peter had his eyes on the wrong things. He had his focus in the wrong place. Notice there first, uh, eyes off the material. Please don't miss this tonight. Eyes off the material. Look at John twenty-one fifteen. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, uh, we don't know for sure what these would have been. But can I tell you what I think that that pronoun these uh, uh, was referring to? I think it was referring to the fish. You see, Jesus had called Peter away from being a fisherman to follow him. And now Peter had quit the ministry to go back into fishing. And Jesus has cooked up fish. Now, look, uh, I could do a fish fry for you and uh, uh, you might not get sick. You might, but you might not get sick. Um, uh, Brother Mark over here, who's a good cook, he could cook you up some fish. Or Brother Ben over here is a good cook. They can cook you up some fish, and you might really enjoy it. But Jesus cooked the fish. I bet there's never been a better fish fry. They ate that fish. And I wonder if Peter didn't look at Jesus and say, that was awesome. Jesus looked at Peter and said, lovest thou me more than these? Can I, can I get right down to it tonight? Peter, do you love me more than you love your old job? Peter, do you love me more than that avenue of income? Peter, do you love me more than some material object that is going to mean nothing in the grand scheme of eternity? Peter, get your eyes off the material. Get your eyes off that which is going to fade away and be burnt up when the, when the world is destroyed. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And I want to look at each one of you tonight and ask you this question. Uh, do you love Jesus more than you love your job? Do you love Jesus more than the paycheck you get 
from that job? Do you love Jesus more than the things that the money from your paycheck uh, uh, buys? Do you love Jesus more or are you too distracted by those things to be a true disciple of Jesus? Peter, get your eyes off the material and I'd say the same to you tonight. Notice there, uh, 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 discipleship is proper focus and we need to get our eyes off of men. We need to get our eyes off of men. Jesus uh, uh, says to Peter three times, uh, 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 feed my sheep, feed my lamb, feed my lambs. And uh, we'll get to that part in a minute here. But um, uh, what happens in the end is Peter deflects, he, he shifts the, fo- the focus off of himself onto John. Look at verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, sees the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, following, which also leaned on the, uh, uh, his breast at supper and said, Lord, what is he, uh, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What shall John do? Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. You know what he's saying here? Hey, Peter. Don't worry about what I have for John to do. That doesn't matter. I might keep John alive all the way until I come back. Now, clearly that didn't happen. But he said, he said to John, or he said to Peter, if I choose to do that, that has nothing to do with you. John, I have a specific calling, or Peter, I have a specific calling for you. Don't you worry about somebody else. Hey, listen, tonight I'm here to tell you that God uniquely created you. And God uniquely has a plan for you. My question to you tonight is, are you fulfilling what God has put you on this planet to do? Or are you too worried trying to be somebody else? You don't need to be somebody else. Because that somebody else is already taken. You need to be you. Um, there are a bunch of preachers out there in America. And some of them have glitz. They got glamour. Man, they're cool. There's a pastor up in Michigan whose last name is Cool. And he is cool. I'm telling you, he is cool. I mean, he, he runs that church. He is Mr. Cool. I'm not him, and I'm not going to try to be him. You know who I'm going to try to be? I'm going to try to be me. That's who God called me to be. That's who God created me to be. You know what? You don't need to try to be somebody else in this church. You need to be you. And you need to figure out what God created you to do here at this church. And you need to go do it with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, knowing that one day you're going to stand in front of God and give an account to Him for that one day. Discipleship is proper focus. And notice that it's eyes off the material, it's eyes off of men. But it is eyes on the Master. Look at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon... Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he saith unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. You know what he was saying? He was saying, put your eyes on me. Put your eyes on me and what I've called you to do. And go do that responsibility. Let her be noticed that discipleship is proper obedience. Look at verse 19. 
And I want everybody to look at the verse with me. I'm going to have you read together with me. So everybody look at John 21:19. Read those last two words of that verse together out loud with me, would you? Ready? Follow me. One more time. Follow me. You say, Pastor, but following Jesus is hard. And I'm going to look back at you and say, sometimes it is. But it's a lot less hard than following Satan. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It also says the way of the transgressor is hard. It's hard. question tonight is this, Christian. Are you following Jesus His way or are you trying to follow Jesus your way? Don't convolute or try to change Jesus. He is who He is and He's called you to follow Him with complete obedience. Are you being the disciple that Jesus has called you to be? Or are you like a discouraged Peter? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Peter hit that time of discouragement. Peter hit that time of discouragement and he had to turn it around and he had to turn it around real quick. You might be there tonight, Christian. You might be discouraged. But Jesus has died for you. He's risen from the dead. And he's asked you to come out of that discouragement and to serve Him, to be focused on Him and to be obedient. Lord, I ask tonight that You'd help us to consider the truths that have been preached out of the book of John. And Lord, may we be true disciples, true disciples that are focused and obedient to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's stand to our feet. The piano begins to play. The altar's open. How about it tonight, Christian? Are you following the Lord the way you're supposed to? Are you focused? Or is your focus on the wrong thing?